Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here at Red Ice TV. I'm Henrik. Today, we're going to talk a bit about uh, the uh, gaming industry, the attack really on uh, gamers too, and some of the stuff that's happening within this world. We've covered that on and off a little bit. Uh, here and there, but it's actually a very big and important uh, area to cover because it's just, you know, so many kids, so many young guys. They might not be our guys yet, but they're uh, part of our uh, people uh, are out there. They're gaming, they're playing, uh, they're being uh, manipulated, they're being programmed by a lot of this stuff too. And I think the gaming industry was definitely more uh, independent in the past, a little bit more uh, wild, a bit more wild west, but over the last... Nah, I guess my I guess might be able to clarify this more than than I can, but I'd say anywhere from ten to five year five to ten years, we've seen a, a shift and kind of an attack uh, on the gaming industry. And of course, this came first uh, became kind of widely known as uh, GamerGate. This is a few years old now, but that's kind of like when we saw one of the first kind of attempts to really rein in and control the gaming world and the gamers themselves. And of course, consequently, we saw a lot of pushback against that as well. Uh, but at this point, I think we have a, a large segment of the gaming industry kind of controlled by the very same forces uh, that we criticize. The media, the entertainment complex, and these kinds of people as well. Uh, but anyway, our guest here is American Krogan. And a little bit later, we might get into some other stuff as well. We have, of course, the election in Italy. I know our guests want to talk and comment on that. Let's bring on our guest, American Krogan. Thank you for coming on. It's good to have you here. How are you? I'm I'm doing pretty good. It's it's great to be here. I've been watching uh, Red Ice for years now. Probably, uh, I mean, honestly, Red Ice played a significant role in my so-called red pilling process. So awesome! It's absolutely <laughs> fantastic to be here. You 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 bet. Thank you. Uh, it's it's glad. We're always glad to hear when we're uh, we're we're affecting people, and uh, of course, the right people, and then those go on to do their stuff and 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 work, and and that's how we spread. You know what I mean? So that's awesome. Um, all right, so. So let, let's let's talk from the beginning, I guess, a little bit here. Obviously, you, you you've covered anti-white themes. You talk about all kinds of you know news stories as usual, of course, as so many of us do in the sphere. Uh, but you've kind of honed in and focused a bit more on the gaming industry. Um, is that because of your interest in video games, you playing, or is there another reason for that? Well, I kind of have a bit of a mixed background. I started, uh, you know, as a, as a child in the 80s, you know, I got a Nintendo and I played about as much as your average kid would. And then probably in my late teens, I got out of video games, really, and I did a lot of real life stuff and probably only got back into gaming in, in 2011. I think that's when I got my first actual, like, my personal computer. And it was about the time Skyrim came out, and uh, I got into modding for that. And from there on, I had a steady, uh, a steady interest in gaming. Uh, but um, I started a, a mediocre YouTube channel around gaming in 2015, 2016, and I didn't really get political too much. I just kind of talked about um, just average, run-of-the-mill stuff with gaming. And then uh, a, a couple of games came out that uh, touched on historical matters, and I knew enough about the historical material that some flags went up for me. And I made some videos addressing these things. And then from there, I kind of went down like a whole red pilling process. And I started to realize that the gaming industry is much like the film industry, even worse so in terms of uh, being a mouthpiece for status quo propaganda. And at this point, it's just overtly anti-white propaganda. So um, I really stayed focused on video games at that point because um, in a lot of ways, they're bigger than film at this point. I mean, the yeah, biggest grossing piece of media of all time is Grand Theft Auto V. And a yeah. lot of people don't realize that it's bigger than Titanic. It's bigger than Avatar. And the ideas and the cultural memes and the notions that are conveyed through video games are much more 
potent because you know people spend a lot more time with the medium. I mean, somebody goes and they watch uh, a subversive film, it lasts for two and a half hours, and sure, that can be very, very effective, but if somebody plays a subversive video game, they're spending 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, sometimes even 100 hours with this material. And so, uh, you know, you got a lot of young men and women to a, a greater extent now uh, playing these games and sort of engaging in this metaverse that's explicitly anti-white and pushes a lot of subversive ideas. So I kind of focus on video games continuously because I think that they've surpassed film and their propagandistic output. And uh, they're much more powerful at this point. And I, I you know, it, the difficult thing with addressing them is that it takes so much time uh, to address them. You know, you have to go and you have to spend, you know, dozens of hours playing some of this garbage. And then you got to spend a lot of time addressing all of that. So it's a lot it's a lot more difficult than addressing, you know, a, a couple of sub subversive films or, or what have you. But yeah, yeah, hopefully that that gives you a pretty good uh, idea of why I do what I do. Yeah, no, it's very important, as you say, because there's a lot of people that uh, are influenced by this. And that's what do you think of my general kind of painted dudes? Of course, a lot of tangents and details one can get, get, get into that. But it feels like it was very... A lot, maybe I'm not saying there aren't independent game makers today, but it was definitely more like out of control. You know, what I mean, the further back you go when it came to the type of games that came out and maybe what took off or whatever. Now it's become like this multi-billion, probably even more at this point, uh, industry, huge player, huge money involved, huge production uh, houses. What do you call them? <laughs> Those who make the games and stuff like that. And it feels like it's been consolidated a bit more, and they've kind of reined in some of the loose sense uh is that kind of a, a, a somewhat of a decent overview of what's happened over the last oh, yeah. years yeah oh yeah i totally think so uh, it's a lot like you know the wild west like youtube and the tech industry kind of started out as the wild west to some yeah. to some extent and the video game industry is similar in that regard you know like the late 90s the early 2000s uh these things these fields weren't really really that big and so not a lot of people paid attention to them and it was only when uh, people realized, I mean, particularly with video games, video games in the late 90s and the early 2000s, you know, th there were neoliberal undertones and in, in, in whatnot in various uh, IPs and franchises, but not to the extent that there are now. And it was more of a matter of kind of nerdy guys in their basement, um, very high IQ autistic type people making a lot of this this stuff because it took at that time, none of the industry had really been developed. There weren't a lot of tools. There weren't numerous engines. It took really high IQ white guys uh, just sitting around crunching numbers to build all of this. And then once they built all the infrastructure and the industry started to gain a little bit more prominence and it started to be able to compete with uh, the film industry, more and more people from the film industry and from uh, various sectors of activism realized that this could be a great tool uh, to um, disseminate their their messaging. And, uh, you know, I think people also realized, the activists, the anti-white activists realized that there were a lot of more or less traditional pro-white masculine memes and ideas and a lot of traditional gaming, if we can call it that, and they didn't like that. They wanted to invade the living room or invade the, the man cave, so to speak, and uh, push everything down, uh, you know, the so-called gaming crowd's throats and uh i think that they've had mixed results with that i think to one ex on, on one hand they've clearly taken over the industry i mean they are able to uh, you know what I, something i've noticed is that in pretty much every triple a game that gets released now 
half the enemy combatants are women. And yeah, yeah. it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. And it's bizarre, too, because uh, if you speak out against that, there are a lot of people who will say, well, you just hate women. And it's like, well, I don't like killing women. Like, I don't like going around gunning down lots of women, you know, like it's just so it's just like who who, who really hates women here? <laughs> um, yeah, but um, yeah, I think you're totally right. I think that uh, over time, probably from the 2010s onward, uh, gaming has been subverted to a large extent and it really took off around 2015, 2018. And it's just, you know, it's just been an, exp an, an exponential growth at this point. Yeah, and then of course we have, you know, Gamergate is an overview kind of term for a longer period, a lot of different, uh, I guess, battles of sorts that took place there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that was a little bit more about, I mean, the, the anti-white stuff was kind of brought up there, but it was a little bit more about maybe like the, as you said, kind of the feminist characters, maybe there was some about the diversity and stuff like that too, but we've had a kind of a healthy somewhat almost normie tier pushback as a, as a consequence of what happened there. Now you have like, you know, fairly huge channels. And of course, people, you know, that watch us, our stuff might not like them, but like as an entry point, you know, the, the, the quartering and even geeks and gamers and stuff. And yeah. they can, I mean, they can <laughs> cock horribly on some issues, but on certain other issues that can be decent. And, and at least, you know, a quartering at least, I mean, he, he sees the anti-white agenda and he occasionally addresses it as well, right? He does. And I have, you know, I was kind of on the up and up around the time that like there are a lot of like bigger, let's call them, I don't want to call them Manosphere channels, but there were like court, the quartering when I was still on YouTube was much bigger than me, but he wasn't, I think he had like 100,000 or 200,000 subs at the time, something like that. Anyway, there was this whole crowd of people like that, that were on the up and up. And um, I, I feel like I probably would have grown similarly uh, adjacently to them, but you know, I got banned in 2019. But yeah, those guys. Same I feel like us. they're always. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, same year as us. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You guys would definitely. I mean, judging by your your growth trajectory, I, I'd imagine you'd have like half a million subs. Probably. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. But um, those guys, the the quartering and whatnot. You're right. I mean, they call out a lot of stuff, and they, you know, while they're not our guys, right? They, they haven't really transitioned entirely uh, to our side yet. They they do call a lot of stuff out. But I, I, I tend to think of them as sort of like uh, nostalgic addicts, nostalgic stat, uh, addicts, something along those lines. Like they keep thinking back to a time when like Predator came out and Carl Weathers and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> you know, they fist bumped. And, and like we want to go back to that where like the white guy was kind of like the, the unspoken de facto hero all the time. But like nobody was really. We you didn't know, notice race, race, right? We didn't right. notice race. So <laughs> I made a big post about this and. And I talked to millennial woes about this, and and I, I think a lot of us, you know, agree that those guys, when you get down to it, they 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 don't really want to live in a world where white people are a minority, but at the same time, they don't really want to address race because they're not really comfortable doing it. There could be a variety right. of motivations for that. Yeah, maybe you know they're just trying to because you know those guys make a ton of money at this point when you have that many subs on YouTube and uh, your ad revenue is coming in, you're, you're making a lot of money. And they, they have alt alternate revenue streams as well at this point. So there could be a financial motivation there, you know, they because I've noticed this with a lot of white liberals. And I think Jared Taylor has noticed this too. If you talk to them and you make some headway, they will start to acknowledge some things. They will start to acknowledge your arguments, but then eventually a little light goes off in the back of their head and they realize, that if I accept what you're saying as the uh, as the absolute truth, 
then I'm going to have to seriously adjust the way I live. Yeah. I'm going to have to adjust my life and there will be consequences. And, and uh, that convinces or motivates a lot of people to sort of continue to lie to themselves. And yeah, yeah. and it's like a, it's a very, uh, you know, safe, low hanging fruit, right? I mean, could, could go after the Star Wars franchise and stuff. And it's not that you can't do that. It's fine. But obviously, we're facing kind of uh, bigger issues right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's easy, yeah, well, you know, and, uh, and, and it's not that it's like, okay, as I said, I think as a stepping stone or, or as an entry point level to like begin looking critically uh, at, at uh, you know, mass media and culture, it's fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, here's here's another thing about the quartering. He doesn't really interact with me anymore. But um, one of the reasons why I was able to gain a little bit of traction was because he shared my uh, video on Battlefield Five, which was one of my first uh, really serious videos addressing historical revisionism in video games. And I think it, the video got like not eight hundred thousand views, nine hundred thousand views in the end before it was before I was banned from YouTube. Yeah. But if it weren't for him, uh, I would not have gotten a lot of traffic. Now, a lot of people are going to hear that and use that against him, or <laughs> they could use it against him. But, uh, you know, a lot of people on our side need to realize that while Jeremy may sort of irritate us with some of his Sivnat takes, uh, he does he does help. He does help. He yeah. pushes the envelope in a sense. He pushes people over into our sphere. Absolutely. And and we need guys like that. So that's um, definitely no, no, no reason to come after him. <clears throat> it's kind of our job also to... To push them a little bit and nudge them so they feel the pressure from the right as yep. well, you know. <laughs> so that's just how yep. it goes. But all right, anyway, d didn't mean to get stuck talking about that really. But anyway, so so we have that. We have Gamergate, all these kinds of things, and then of course we had crazy spurgouts from uh, the likes of uh, ADL, where they all of a sudden started going after. Right, it was like. PewDiePie, right? It came out that he had said uh, what uh, the N word or something in a game. I, I think that was adjacent to it. That wasn't good. The, the type of videos he did, at least for a little while there, and then and then ADL, as the article says here, goes after Steam. They said that they harbor extremists and gamers is a big problem. We have to rein this in. How do we control this? What's happening out there? This is about two years ago now. How successful do you think this has been for them over the last few years that they've been pushing this? Well, you're asking specific, specifically with regards to the ADL and their their um, attempts to control Steam specifically, or just generally, generally any yeah, and like the gaming world essentially anything within that. Um, I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, I, I do think that they've been able to exert more control over Steam. Like recently, there was this in independent developer who made a game called Domina, and it's sort of like this semi. Well, it's a 2D game about arena fighting in, in ancient Rome in the Colosseum, and it's a really good game. I think it came out in 2018, and there's nothing really overtly political about the game, um, but the guy is no, the guy who developed it is really well known for writing um, various what our enemies or what leftists would call anti-trans stuff in his patch notes, and eventually Steam did ban his game uh, because of things he wrote in his patch notes. And that's really interesting, too, because these are patch notes. Notes. Most people don't read that stuff. So you have to understand that there were some activists out there, some people who were just constantly digging through everything this guy wrote, and then they brought it to Steam's attention to get him banned. So, I mean, that is that's that is noteworthy. Yeah. And, and really all he did get banned for was his quote-unquote transphobic patch notes and i don't have them on hand but if you go and you read them it's nothing really 
it's nothing really that provocative. It's not like he was calling for violence or saying anything really provocative. It's just patch notes that weren't that or a little passive aggressive. But I would say, generally speaking, uh, the ADL has uh, had success in policing the gaming industry. I, I think more and more digital platforms are less likely to. Well, what's weird about it? And this is kind of a side note, but if you go to Steam and you look up like mm, hentai and anime and stuff like that, there are just tons and tons and tons of like overtly sexually degenerate video games for sale all the time. Of course. And and they have thousands upon thousands of reviews. I mean, these are games that like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people play. Um, and, and it's just some of it is extremely grotesque. It's like overt nudity. I mean, it is just interactive pornography that's what it is and nobody really raises a fuss about that and i'm not saying uh i'm not one of those people who's like a puritan about this i, I think men can enjoy boobies uh but um the extent to which men are engaging with pornographic material i think is a problem and it's yeah i don't quite know how to articulate it but i, I think you would probably agree with me here that uh men shouldn't be constantly consuming pornography. They no, should be no, it's very out bad. socializing with actual real-life women. Yes, they <laughs> <laughs> should have families. And as we know, mate, you you've, you saw some of the headlines, right? No Not November, November rolled around, became kind of big, and it was like tons of accounts on Twitter and even articles out there were like, my God, this is like, uh, this is how we've kept uh, fascism in, in, in place, by having like free pornography out there. You know what I mean? Like that, there was like this uh, kind of subtle admission about like the how it's been weaponized and how it's being used to specifically against men. <laughs> so yeah, it I, no, was it's really a subtle bad. admission. It really, really was. Pornography yeah. is a weapon. It does rewire your brain. Yep. Uh, it does have very, very nefarious effects on people. And when it's used like to, I mean, there's a reason like, okay, I don't like, I believe that Edward Dutton and people like that um, are very correct insofar that since the, since the, advent of the industrial revolution we have seen various things come about in our collective genetic pools as a result of there no longer being mass selective pressures but that said uh if we look at the end of world war ii until now the average male the the average testosterone levels the average behavior the average phenotype that's probably not really a direct result of aggregate genetics that's probably more so a result of consumeristic behaviors uh, diet and a bunch of other things. So, I mean, a lot of, cause you know, we've all, well, not all of us, but a lot of us have seen how various quote unquote soy boys can transition over a year or two through proper, proper diet and exercise and behavior to looking like, you know, how men used to look. Um, you know, so yeah, the whole entertainment industry in general and the whole pornography industry, I mean, just the whole entertainment industry, um, has been, weaponized uh against us and uh we've got to do everything we can uh to take control of it again and uh that's going to involve probably see the problem with that is that the kinds of people who have exerted control over the video game industry and all the adjacent media industries they are not the type of people like uh the white anglo-saxon was in yesteryear who would allow people through a system of meritocracy to climb the ladder they are going to kick down the ladder. they have they have kicked down the ladder behind yeah. them and so we're not going to be able to engage in any kind of entryism we're going to have to build everything up again
Yep. You know, and that's where things like Red Ice come into play. That's where independent developers come into play. And the, and the, and the good thing, though, is especially with video games, is that there is a lot of technology out there that's readily available to yeah. every, everybody. And you can build um, low effort stuff um, by yourself or with uh, a limited amount of other people of other people and while it might not have the AAA multi-million dollar budget or polish that the AAA industry has it's going to have something that the AAA industry doesn't and that's soul and that's yep. like actual creativity exactly you know you'd be surprised how many people are just going to want to play like a crappy looking 2d you know shooter of some sort that just has a good masculine vibe to it you know yeah. and doesn't have all this other stuff attached to it so oh absolutely i mean bells and whistles uh you can call it what you want so same thing within the movie you know field special effects right all the, the high, high budget stuff that people pour into uh look that can be fun and that's great but at the end of the day those are just bells and whistles and it's not the meat it's not the core of the thing right you can do if you have a really good story a really good outline uh, a really good uh, message also uh, people are going to be drawn to that way more so than actually the bells and whistles. So that's not something we should worry about. We have instead the freedom of being able to venture into areas where they have kind of closed the door to, and that's our strength, and that's what we have to use uh, at our advantage. And that's true for anyone who does independent independent movies or you know they do entertainment things or sk even skits online, whatever the hell they do, creative stuff, you know, things that involved in like you know kind of the the, the cultural uh, war that we that we're involved in essentially. Uh, with the forces that are trying to uh, to take us down, uh, so that's actually a very good thing, and I'm not too concerned about that. It's it's creativity and storyline and all that stuff is going to be way more important uh, than all the other stuff, and that that comes later usually anyway. You know, what I mean, you shouldn't begin at the top like that anyway. You work your way up and you become bigger, you grow bigger, you get a bigger audience, you get more means consequently, and that's kind of fun uh, fun part of the journey as well that you grow in that way. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean the. <sighs> What would be interesting is if uh, we had um, a developmental movement within video games, you know, a pro-white movement, and we developed... Because what you often see with a lot of IPs or what we, you saw with a lot of good IPs, good franchises in the mid-2000s was that they were started by relatively small studios and then real big studios came, real big publishers came and bought them up because they were so successful. So it would be very interesting to see our guys make some preliminarily successful material and then see it get popular enough that like the triple a industry would potentially be forced to take a look at it exactly yeah potentially be forced to you know bend to the overton window being pushed in our direction a little bit so yeah yeah it's um it's a it's a digital frontier in a sense and uh you know europeans sort of you know pioneered uh pioneered america and there's no real landmass at this point to pioneer, I suppose, but we can pioneer the digital front. I mean, the digital realm is a battleground and we shouldn't be ceding any of the territory to anybody. Because if we do, they're going to have control over all the narratives. So, no, that's true, uh, exactly. And I can have my critiques about the uh, how, how engulfed people get in it, and uh, and it kind of takes us into the next topic a little bit because I want to bring up the issue of. Uh, kind of augmented reality and really some of the methods that people are using to f fight back. You're doing that by creating mods, and, you know, two games, and we'll talk about that in a minute. The other thing was kind of like, at least in the short term, this is like fun for the kind of the information aspect, if you if you will, of, of that culture war. Um, and it's, you know, people saw it, right? But it's the clip that someone used uh, artificial intelligence. 
to overlay a, a white girl <coughs> instead of the um, uh, the black girl in the latest uh, Little Mermaid uh, video. Here, here's the clip for you guys if you didn't see it. Yet. Maybe we should lower that uh, volume here. <laughs> anyway, that's a really short one, right? So, I know what I know happened here, uh, Krogan, is that he was banned. Apparently, the guy who actually did this. I think one mm -hmm. there was two guys. One of them got their account back. The other one did not, but it did go viral. And it was like this is a very interesting way to actually tackle the problem that you could essentially, if you, I guess they would have to do with you know computational power essentially. What you, how, how much can you do in real time? Because these of course would be processed images. They would have to be done and rendered essentially, and then you can watch yeah. it where all the characters are replaced. But essentially, if the technology is there, weirdly, you could actually. You, <laughs> You could program your computers, or, or call it artificial intelligence, if you will, to replace any character in any media that you're watching that you don't like, <laughs> right? That essentially, that is uh, technically, uh, technically uh, uh, something that might come down the pipeline. What do you think that will do, and how could that change things? Well, there are some people who push back against that idea in our circles, and they say, well, none of us should be consuming The Little Mermaid or any of the uh, <laughs> the mainstream media output. And there's certainly an argument. There's something that that's certainly true to a point. But the thing is, I, th I think it's still good to protest in this way. Yeah, because exactly. It, it shows the, the stark contrast between what was supposed to be there and what's there now. And it just gives us a voice. It just puts us in the social arena. And so just because of that alone, it, it's good to do this type of stuff. Now, do I suspect that people are going to be fixing like every single woke film on mass <laughs> in order to for the purposes of having a good consumer experience? I, I suppose not. I suppose people will do this mostly as, as a form of protest. And, and, you know, they might use the technology to develop uh, their own material eventually. But um, th did you want me to? transition that into talking about the mod maybe yeah or? Sure, exactly because i mean there's a, there's a wider discussion you know kind of, of like what 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 ar could do i mean obviously virtual reality is part of that that's becoming more widely uh you know used right now as well but i think there's a trapping there as well but but, but let's wait with that Let, let's talk about the mod first and talk about what you've been doing i mean lana's getting involved she's going to record her uh voiceover for one of the characters soon you've already done i think a few of the other characters just tell yep. us a bit about it why you wanted to do it and how how, how involved is it like is it a hu hugely time consuming process or, or what is it like to work with it well uh i'm making a mod for the video game fallout 4 which is part, part of the fallout franchise i assume a lot of people listening are going to be somewhat familiar with that but it's a franchise that it started in the late to, the late 1990s and it's uh you know the last major the last major game that was well it started in the late 90s and it's you know it's it's gone from various studios various publishers and now it's with a, an outlet called Bethesda Game Studios. And uh, the last full-on entry was Fallout 4. There's been some spinoffs. But the whole franchise is um, a sort of weird take on retrofuturism based in the 1950s. The idea is that um, there's an alternate timeline. So World War II ends 1945. And then in the Fallout universe, the timeline diverges from our actual timeline. And... There's some, you, we can debate this a little bit, but the basic idea is that the atomic age just kept going. The 1950s paradigm kept going and it didn't stop. Uh, the transistor wasn't really invented. Microprocessors weren't really invented. Everything was like big and bulky. 
uh, hyper consumerism with lots of like, you know, weird 1950s, you know, family values, hyper family value ads and all of that, like all of that continued. And it continued up until about October uh, 2077 when there was a great war. And, um, you know, a big theme of the theories is like hyper McCarthyism. Uh, people constantly <laughs> complaining about, you know, pinko commies infiltrating everything. Yet, curiously, in the more modern iterations of this game, there are a lot of persons of color in the United States. Now, I decided to remove all the persons of color in the game Fallout 4 because it takes place in Boston, Massachusetts, or the equivalent of Boston, Massachusetts. And, you know, if you go back and you look into the demographics of 1945 Boston, there were some black people there. Probably roughly 8% of the population, maybe 8% of the population was black. And they all lived in the inner, basically in the, in the in Boston proper. And that was a total, the Boston had a total population of about 700,000 people. So if a, an atomic bomb hit there, um, probably there aren't going to be very many persons of color in the entire state of Massachusetts 200 years later, because most of the games take place 200 years after the big atomic war in 2077. So, and, and by removing the POCs, you, you kind of get people to think about this stuff critically. Um, more than likely, because the timeline diverged, there wouldn't have been a 1964 Civil Rights Act. There wouldn't have been a 1965 Hart Seller Act. And, and, and a lot of people, a lot of lefties and a lot of people who are very pro-multiculturalism have gotten very angry at me for wanting to make this mod because they assert, well, there would have been persons of color and yada, yada, yada. And what I'm basically doing is forcing them to confront this sort of cognitive dissonance. You, and they'll point this out themselves sometimes. They'll say, well, this series is a whole critique on racism and, uh, you know, 1950s culture. And it's like, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> if, the, if the idea is the 1950s continued onward for 120 years, what makes you think that there would have been civil rights, you know, an immigration reform and there would have been all this diversity and inclusion and feminism and all? No, everybody, it would have been like white picket fence America. Women would have been homemakers. And that's another thing. I'm taking all the women out of uh, diverse combat roles. So you won't see like female raiders fighting everywhere. You won't see uh, female soldiers being all big and bad and, and, and all of that. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things, but I, I think you basically get the idea. Sure, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the motivation. And, um, you know, this isn't to say that in the Fallout universe, there wouldn't be persons of color in other parts of the United States. Uh, there, there might be some persons of color uh, all throughout the South, all throughout uh, parts of the Southwest. But this is New England after an atomic bomb, a, a global nuclear war. I, I mean, it's just they're pro that's the OK. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's the other thing. If you go and you play the game and you go to a place called Diamond City, which is like this stadium in Boston. Um, all these people 200 years into the future kind of live in this tight-knit community in the stadium. Yet what you find in the game is there's a distinct Hispanic with a distinct Hispanic accent. There's a distinct Asian with a dis distinct Asian accent. There's distinct black people with distinct black accents. And this is just not how reality works. If there is a small, if there is a primary group of people, let's say that Diamond City was, you know, 80% white and 20% non-white. After 200 years of coexisting, unless there was strict segregation enforced, there would be an ethnogenesis of a sort. People would intermingle and they would interbreed to one extent or another. And over 200 years, you would not have distinct phenotypes anymore. And, and, and I'm not saying I promote that, but people, lefties and pro-multiculturalists often don't understand how reality actually works insofar that unless you had segregation, there wouldn't be an Hisp a Hispanic in Diamond City. There wouldn't be a black person anymore. And so... 
one aspect I'm trying to convey to people is that if even if all the black people in Boston survived um, 200 years into the future, you know, if they were if, if the white people of Boston put aside their racism and they totally accept all these black people into their communities and freely interbred with them in 200 years, there wouldn't be any more black people. You would have a population with maybe, you know, two to five percent. It depends on the exact way things went. But you would have this bulk of white DNA and you would have this tiny fraction of white DNA and people would look nominally. You might have a population of octoroons, put it that way, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So, so that's, uh, that's fun. So what, so you're going through, um, is that like, is, is it really technically demanding, uh, to, to develop these mods and then you, uh, uh, you know, you're replacing, uh, the audio in there. Is this actually open source or, or do you have to, uh, well, you, you have to like, you know, hide your hack, you know, hack is gay term, but you know what I mean? Like actually get in there and, <laughs> and like actually, you know, do something that they don't want you to do or can anybody make these mods? That's what, that's well, my question. Well, I can't sell any of it. You can't. Okay, so Bethesda, Bethesda Game Studios has what's called the Creation Kit, and uh, they're very Bethesda Game Studios and their games are very popular because they release uh, an iteration of their development toolkit for people to use freely, and you can use all the in-game assets freely to do this. So I basically use. Well, there's some third-party software and things that they probably don't release to the public because they don't have the rights to them. So like, I have to engage in some sort of. I have to find various tools and things to fill in the gaps or make things easier, but pretty much I use the creation kit nice. uh, that they use. And so replacing all of the characters, um, it's time consuming, but the tools are basically there. Um, there are basically, there are named NPCs uh, that you have to change. And then there are sort of templates or sets of NPCs that various, uh, factions in the game might pull from so like the brotherhood of steel is a faction and they might have uh, a couple different soldier templates that pull from a pool of like you know five different people or something like that and so you can go into those templates and you can change the black ones to be white and then then you know you don't have to change that for literally every single npc but it's probably i don't know um a hundred or so npcs that i had to change and and uh the 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 voice acting is more so the problem um because some of the NPCs that are uh, POCs are voiced by POCs, and it's very overt that uh, they're not white. They they specifically speak again with you know a black accent, a Hispanic accent, so on and so forth. So I have to go around and probably get twenty or so different voice actors. It, it might be, be more in the end to revoice a lot of these characters, and that's time consuming. I also have to deal with. Um, you know, making sure everybody has the proper audio quality. You know, you can't yeah, yeah. really have uh, somebody recording something on their MacBook Pro or with the built-in microphone. You know, you at least need like a, a 50 to $100 microphone. And, you know, then you got to, if you do that and you do it right, I mean, preferably I'd want everybody to be recording in a closet or something like that. But yeah, I mean, that that's a lot of, it's a lot of work coordinating all of that. Yeah. Get people to record the, the in a proper environment and then, you know, post-production. Then I have to name, because this these are thousands of voice files. Like, for example, yeah. the character Kristen Garvey has like 2,500 lines. And um, I have to manually edit pretty much all of those lines. Um, so I have to make, I have to splice down 2,500. So it's just time consuming, yeah. but it's not technically over demanding. 
Okay. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. Uh, I hope we get some uh, buzz and attention uh, to it. It's always good to push back and, as you say, make them. Uh, I mean, it's not only to, you know, I, I heard these talking points from like, you know, if you watch things like the Young Turks or something like that, or even like David Pakman or some of these, you know, kind of left wing, uh, they're not really alternative media, but they try to be, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they regurgitate the same talking points that the mainstream media does, but they, I guess they would technically classify themselves as alternative media. Um, but, you know, they they, um, they reiterate that it's like, oh, it's oh, the only thing they live on, the, 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 their enemies, the, cons the conservative enemies and MAGA people and, uh, you know, uh, nationalists and patriots and things like that is to own the libs, right? And it's like, well, that's not the only reason you do stuff. All of that can be entertaining, and that's fun sometimes. Uh, but it's just that the the limited I scope of them don't understand why you're doing these things, and yeah. so they're just applying yeah. like a one dimensional reason for why you do it. <laughs> you know. Well, the main, you know, I, I I do readily admit that there is a political motive attached to all of this. Of course, really, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just it's just autistic spurgery on my part. <laughs> it's like it doesn't make sense. I mean, again, think back to like the distinct ethnicities that are showing up in this it's just not how it works it's yeah. just it doesn't make any sense yeah. and so a lot of like autistic gamers appreciate that you know that you, you know like realism mods and things like that are real popular people they see an inconsistency or they see something that doesn't make sense and it just drives them up the up the wall yeah now if there were pocs like if the game took place in the in the deep south it wouldn't it wouldn't drive my autism in, in, into overdrive you know it wouldn't it would make sense this doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> Yep, it's true. And I mean, you know, then it might be like, oh, you, oh, you're doing this because you're politically motivated. And it's like, well, that, that, as you pointed out now, and as you clarified, the whole gaming industry has not become politically uh, a, a tool to push, you know, political things. The obsession, of course, about, you know, fighting. Not, I remember this a while back, there was some... I can't remember now, but there was one guy who made some video who said it was like, it's super problematic that you can choose to play a national socialist, you know, in certain games. Do you remember that video? Um, it was like a few years back and it was like this whole... I, I, I think there have been a few videos. Maybe there's like, been a few. Been, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's something else that came to mind. There's a mod on the Nexus and the Nexus is a really popular modding site with like millions upon millions of downloads. I mean, it's a huge deal. They have uh, a mod up... Uh, not they didn't make it, but somebody made a mod and hosted it on the website for uh, Fallout Three. That turns there's a slaver faction, and they didn't like that the slavers were diverse. They made all the slavers white, and they wrote uh, a whole rationale for why it was, and like they just basically argued that there wouldn't be white slavers because of you know the history in the United States. And it's like that mod is still up, and it's very likely that when my mod gets launched on the Nexus, it will get deleted. It will get taken down. And I want people to pay attention to that sort of, you know, double standard there. Here's a mod that, you know, turns all the slavers white and it has uh, a completely irrational motivation for it. Like, it, or, or it, it's illogical. It doesn't make any sense. Like, there would be, if there was a slaver faction, there's no reason to think that in a diverse setting that it's only going to be white people. Or if it's along racial lines that this comes about, that sort of speaks to a sort of racial tribalism that you would see all along society. You know, like yeah. you, it wouldn't just be with slaving, like you would see segregation in, in all of the franchise and all of that world base. And again, a big motivation is uh, for me is just, I want people to think about this stuff critically and think about how these different narratives don't line up. They're incongruent. So, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Good point. Um, and you know, there's like you know, we we've talked about it, but there's other cultures. You you link this one as well. That like, 
there's some other cultures that all they do is look after their own they push their own people in 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 their tv shows on their on their movies there was one story and you send the link to me as well i, I remember catching it a while back there Nigeria bans white models from ads. Nigeria says they need to develop local talent and support inclusive economic growth to justify the move. <laughs> it's just like, okay, good for them. There's nothing wrong with that. There's great. nothing wrong no, with that. No, that's great. Good for you. I think that story was... <laughs> some people have commented that that story, like fact checkers have said, oh, no, oh they really. ban white people. They, they said they wanted to focus on local talent. Well, same thing. Same thing, you know? exactly. They, they, yeah. But, you know, the point is, we all, as pro-white advocates, we support... Nigerians doing that. Of we course, don't think yeah. that they should have a bunch of white people in in their in their culture. Like it totally makes sense. I mean, this is the thing. Black advocates in the United States, or I should say, anti-white advocates, anti-white act, act, uh, act actors, will say that the Little Mermaid needs to be replaced with a black actress because look at all the little black girls who see themselves in the new area. Yeah, yeah. And then and then they'll sort of deny like, and and then they'll 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 also kind of celebrate. Uh, Nigeria doing what it did with its models and then they'll deny all of us white people the same the same courtesy um yep you know like uh, none of us want our kids to grow up being hated and like you know I mean we're human beings too we we have a sense of identity and like you know we want we have babies too and we want them to grow up and see themselves in media like so I mean that whole aerial paradigm thing it promotes a pro-black mentality at the expense of white people. Um, and, and it's truly at the expense of white people. And that's one thing I'd really like to back all these people into a corner uh, and get them to admit. I mean, not to dwell on the Boston thing too much with the, with the, with the mod, but again, if you look at the 1945 population of Boston, it was overwhelmingly white. It was like, you know, 92% white. And the state of Massachusetts was almost 99% white. Um, and now if you look at the state of Boston, or if you look at the, yeah, if you look at the state of Boston, the state that it's in, it's, I think, only half white. I think it's 53% white. And the the overall population is about the same, 700,000. So the overall population of Boston has not changed since 1945 in terms of, like, aggregate raw numbers. So literally, white people have been replaced in the city of Boston. Literally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our people are pushed out of these areas. We are being ethnically cleansed. And you can find even more grotesque examples of this in places and, you know, and like the Cockneys, you know, they they practically are disappearing because they don't have a territory anymore. Yeah. You know, like so it it's not hyperbole to call this white genocide or uh, another term like that, because over time, that's what it is. This yeah. is a form of ethnic cleansing. Absolutely. Yeah. And as you said as well, you know, it's kind of funny how. You look back, you know, or they do this revisionism or they look back historically, I guess that's a better term and say, yeah, when, when you when you were, you know, kind of your countries were essentially all white. And of course, if we go to Europe, many countries actually were America, very, you know, a few percent share of non non white population. But from the from the get go, it was a was a white country it was founded by white people, built up by white people, uh, even though the original naturalization acts uh, called for white people of good character things like this right so that they, they that hoodwinked americans oh well it was always multicultural no first of all but then it was like this now we need to be be, be held accountable and feel bad uh, that we didn't build things and systems and everything for every other racial group that now occupy you know is in the country essentially and it's, it's this, bizarre 
Yeah, go ahead. It's bizarre. It's bizarre because it makes you like, uh, like the British Empire, for example. Everybody talks about how evil it was and how great it was that all these countries gained their their independence from the British Empire. Now, all of those members of these countries, formerly under the British Empire, all they wanted, like, go to any former colonial area in the world. Go to South America. Go to Africa. Go to parts of Asia. And ask the local person there, do you want to go live in England? Do you want to go live in Spain? Do you want to go live in France? They will all kill themselves to go live there. So it's so bizarre that, you know, on one hand, we have this, this, this grotesque narrative of how terrible uh, white people were for going to these other places and building all this stuff. And then, like, all the, and like, you have all these narratives of people celebrating their independence, their identity, independent of Britain, independent of Spain, independent of France. And yet all these people want to go live there. I mean, we, we can't get any of these people to stop coming to our countries. So it's just like, I, I think at this point, people are just really like our people more and more are getting kind of focused on that, that cognitive dissonance. It doesn't make any sense. So yeah, hopefully more and more that convinces more people to go back and look into how these imperial forces behaved. And it's not to say that every single imperial force was a saint. There were things uh, that the Spanish did that are bad. There are things that the British did that were bad, et cetera, and so on and so forth. But I mean, nine times out of 10, if you go and you look at, to, at what the indigenous people were doing to each other and to us, it was terrible. I mean, and this is the case in the United States. I mean, like um, I have a six hour series on Bioshock and it's this real popular video game. But the reason it's six hours is because I go, the, the game addresses all these various historical narratives and tropes and mythologies uh, about the United States. And so I go through all of them and I taught, let me, let me, sorry, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, yeah, it, it, it addresses Chinese trans, the Chinese involvement in the transcontinental railroad, company towns, the no, the no Irish need apply mythos, scalping an Indian, sex trafficking in Israel, oddly enough, uh, the boxer rebellion, uh, the wounded knee massacre. And it wasn't even really a massacre massacre. I go into a lot of detail about that event. And, you know, you, if you go and you research it, you actually find out that these people had basically surrounded um, the, the cavalry and they were, they, the cavalry were going to be massacred if they didn't react. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, so yeah, I'm kind of getting on a little bit of a no, tangent here, I but. No, I totally agree. And I totally get it. It's the most bizarre one dimensional cartoonish version of history that they're kind of whipping up here and using against us again. And back to the point I was, I was making there that that's designed, you know, to make us feel bad, right? So that we will concede, that we will give ground, that we will give up, that we will uh, help them as opposed to ourselves and these kinds of things, right? And and you can bet, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think we're going to become minorities in our own countries. I think we're going to fight back. I think we're going to turn the tide. I think it's I'm, I'm refusing to, to have any other vision. Uh, for our future, but but let's assume that we were. Let, let's assume that they they get their way or whatever. You can bet your ass that when white people become minorities in their own countries that we built, we're never going to be treated uh, like that we treated minorities, right? So as you said, minority rights, on, minority rights. Yeah, are European. the day, the day, like the, it's fifty-one percent non-white people. Let's say in America, then it'll be like, well. That's it. Okay, it's over. We're now going to take over every single position of power, and it should be only us out there. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's like and white people are not going to have a, a, any position anywhere that has influence or power because it's like, well, you're a minority now, you see, so you don't have any rights, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, like I said, I, I mean, minority rights really are a European invention. Yeah. I mean, 
you can go and you can find in the expansion of Islam uh, throughout North Africa and other parts uh, of Asia, like, you know, they had the jizya and they had various ways of dealing with minority factions. But the concept of equal rights, that did not exist. And no. the idea that people would have, you know, unqualified sort of uh, areas that they could call exclusively their own, that did, like they did not have... Um, Things that would parallel or equal what we had in terms of like Indian autonomy, yeah, uh, in 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 the United States and in Latin America and whatnot. I mean, uh, lots of places in Latin America, various indigenous groups have almost complete autonomy, and uh, this also ties into something you know that Greg Johnson has talked about in the White Nationalist Manifesto. It's like, um, I think it's totally humane and proper that uh, most peoples who are capable of having their own ethnostate have their own ethnostate, but at the same time. Um, it's totally appropriate. Likewise, you know, in the case of the United States, the, the United States should be majority white, but, you know, the, the, the Native Americans should have their own areas. They should have their own autonomy and they should get a protected status of some sort. And it's just really regrettable and annoying and depressing that we've gotten to a point where something like that um, just seems like it's, you know, like we're, we're at a point where it seems like we can't really focus on that anymore. To We can't really entertain that anymore. We have to just focus on our basic survival. Yeah. Uh, on yeah. our basic ability to, to organize and maintain ourselves. Oh, you know, yeah. We can't really. And I think Native Americans are starting to sort of realize perhaps that uh, non-white diversity is not going to be a good thing for them in the end. No. They're no. not going to get uh, the kinds of autonomy and special treatment and uh, status quo status. Uh, that they're used to having. Um, so that's something for a lot of people to think about. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's about to get a lot worse. But we're going to take a break in just a little bit, and we're going to keep talking about uh, some of the things happening in Italy, and then a little bit later if we get to it, some of the situation in, in, in Europe. But this is true everywhere. I mean, and it kind of speaks, I guess, a little bit to the next point and, and the final thing I want to do here before we wrap up the first segment here. Um, and it's the, the – the, well, it's two things, I guess, right? We have this whole thing of the, the, the Great Reset. Let's just use a simple term that that's caught, caught on. People understand what that is kind of thing widely. The Great Reset, where we're basically going through a collapse period right now. And then at the end of that, of that they're, they're, they're seeking to rebuild that, whether that's the fourth industrial revolution or some kind of super control, you know, AI-driven system or something like that, right? But short term, I mean, we might be looking at a, a, a kind of a collapse of sorts, not only economically with the energy situation in Europe, that's really bad, that's really dire. But then at the same time, we have this weird thing where they're trying to build up this new, as I said, kind of technological uh, reality for us. And and this ties in with the gaming industry because I think that that's where, where that will be used, right? So we have things such as augmented reality, and then we have virtual reality, and we run the risk of like, Maybe over the, the the overuse of this type of technology is a little bit of a deeper yeah. discussion here, but I think think still an interesting one to make. And when people talked about the Great Reset, it was essentially this: like, you know, the the, the best way, like the condemned condensed version you can, you can make about like what the concept is. It's essentially, like you you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, right? That that's that's it in a way. You, you're gonna get in the pod. Uh, and you're going to put on your VR headset and you're going to eat the bugs, right? And and basically these the, the this new technology, 
I think will be utilized, uh, and maybe they don't pull this off and there's all these other variables, of course, but this is what they're attempting to do. It'll be utilized to basically make our new servitude, make us happy in that servitude. You could basically sit in a, like this clip shows here, I think this is from Cloud Atlas, one of the movies. They walk into this concrete pod, essentially. That's what it is, a tiny space, right? But with AR, augmented reality, or maybe it's projections. Well, I guess that, that still makes it augmented reality. They project all these, like, you know, wonderful windows and nature and all these things in. And, like, so while you're technically living in a prison, you could be fooled into thinking that you're living in a luxury apartment some, uh, somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's yeah. the that's the, a huge risk uh, with this technology. Do, do you think we'll, we'll see actual implementation of this? Do you think we'll see people starting spending more and more time in VR and utilizing AR, AR augmented reality type technology? Where do you think this is going? Um, I definitely think we will. But at the same time, I think we'll see more people try to opt out. I think there will be a big divergence. There will be some people who are are far gone enough that they'll sort of embrace uh, this new paradigm because, in a lot of ways, it's more economically feasible. I mean, certainly the establishment makes it, is going to make it easy for you to opt in. Yeah, and they're going to make it very difficult for you to opt out. But that said, um, you know, it will probably fail at the same time for the reasons that you've talked about. You know. Um, diversity hires and diversity in general has a tendency to make infrastructure not function as well. And you can only offload so much to AI and algorithms and, and various other um, infrastructure. Uh, I, I kind of suspect that technologically speaking, things are overextended. So I do think that this stuff will begin to be implemented, but it will probably also begin to break down. It won't really be able to deliver the experience that they're advertising. And that's sort of the other thing too. Um, the experiences that they're trying, like lefty, lefty and feminist and anti-white activists are going to want control over all the narratives in all of these uh, metaverses. And they're not going to have, like, you're not going to get your pro-white sort of, like a lot of guys might want an all-white metaverse. They might want to live in a reality where they're like a superhero or something and they're very masculine. And a lot of activists are going to be like, no, you can't do that. You know, you have to... Um, you know, you have to embrace diversity. You need to date a trans person. And they're going to have control over a lot of the the narratives and a lot of the the aesthetics and a lot of the the way these things are implemented. And so it'll kind of be like the Matrix where... But that's good like then, a, right? That that might keep us out of it then, <laughs> in a way, maybe. Well, well, yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah. In a way, yeah. A lot of people... It, my point is that the establishment is sort of shooting themselves in the foot. If they were... If they went about this in a different way and tried to sell it a different way, it might have more of a chance of working, yeah. But yeah. because they've hired the wrong people to sort of control the narrative and sell it, it might not work. So. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. These are interesting questions, and and we can continue to talk more about this in the the next segment here. Tell us then a little bit of what your plans are when it comes to the uh, the game and the mod. Do you have any ETA? Uh, you people can follow. I guess is the, is Twitter the best place to follow for updates on this? You've posted a couple of clips already about the mod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, but the most, the, the, the most often I, I most, I post the most updates on telegram probably. So you should probably follow me on there if you want every, every single update. Although I do post all the big ones to Twitter. Uh, as far as ETA goes, I'm thinking I should probably have everybody's voice files in by, you know, in, in another two months, I'm hoping I really don't want to be working on this past that point uh visually speaking the mod is done all of the characters oh, cool. are replaced nice uh i just need to get the voice files uh organized and into the game and and all of that um so yeah probably about two months 
something like that. All right. Awesome. That's great. So, yes, uh, make sure you follow American Krogan. Uh, I'll be on Twitter.com forward slash American Krogan, T.me forward slash. It's the same, right? American Krogan on uh, Telegram as well. Uh, it should I believe. Be. I believe. I believe it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to add the links down below in case. But you are on Odyssey as well. You're on BitChute. Yes. Yes. Uh, there's a number of places. I guess one of the best places to go, actually, and let me show that on screen as well, is actually uh, bio.link forward slash American Krogan. And you have most of the links right there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, so you can follow his work and stuff like that. Um, all right. Well, this is interesting. I'm I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to talking more in the second part here. We're going to take a short break, so stay stay with us, everybody, and we'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for uh, watching our part one here with American Krogan. We're going to continue with uh, part two over at RedIceMembers.com. You can also sign up at subscribeshow.com forward slash red ice for a membership we have a, a lot of uh, second parts of the interviews we've done over the years uh, in the member section exclusive for members of course we have weekend warrior in the member section as well and other shorter and longer videos available for members so definitely check it out it's only 10 bucks a month if you do a auto recurring one month to month we also have a one-time payment option available we have those from three months up to two years and it gets cheaper per month if we do a two-year once it's down to like six bucks fifty cents uh, or something like that close to that uh, if you get a two-year subscription, so that's something you might want to uh, check out. Anyway, thank you guys. Appreciate you joining us here today. So we're going to continue in part two. More about the situation in Italy with the recent uh, far-right victory. We had uh, Georgia Maloney heading up the Brothers of Italy party, who was elected. She's now the political leader uh, of the country. And uh, the question is, is she uh, strong enough? Is she our gal? What's she going to do? What's she going to be able to do? Of course, it's a white pill and a good sign. It means things are heading in the right direction. But uh, is she capable and able to do what is necessary in order to restore order and so many other things in Italy and basically reverse some of the damage that has been done uh, in countries like Italy. Uh, also, before we wrap up here, I want to say thank you to our executive producers today. T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Chalky Milk, Wild Rose Active Club, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeebs, President Obunga, and our latest edition, Three Fifths Combromise. Excellent use now. I like that. And also thank you to uh, Mr. Walker 696 uh, for being a producer. We're looking at uh, a goal here of getting 20 executive producers over at subscribestar.com forward slash red eyes. That will go to paying a salary for a full time editor that we want to bring aboard in order to be able to get to the next step uh, and uh, upgrade our production a little bit here. We need more help. We're undermanned and overworked. So if you want to put some resources towards that effort, definitely check out subscribestar.com forward slash red eyes. But of course, another great way of supporting us is, of course, to get a membership or you can uh, donate to us if you feel so inclined. Redeyes.tv forward slash donate to check out the different methods that we have over there. All right, but we'll be back here in part two with American Krogan. We'll see you on the other side.